lovely. I like the sound of the word. It means people can live free. I've always shown you a soldier, not only to defend, but able and willing both to defend and protect. You've already won! But mark my words. This war will be fought not on the frontier or on some distant battlefield, but amongst us, among our homes. Our children will learn of it in their own eyes. And the innocent will die with the rest of us. Excellent. How are you, sir? Oh, pretty good. All right, guys. For y'all, just finding the podcast because we just hit 10K a couple days ago. Um, I'm packing Patriots, and I have a guest on with me, a personal friend of mine, so we're going to keep names um, to minimum. But uh, Yankee Patriot. Yankee Patriot right here. Yankee Patriot. Okay, yeah, he's from up north anyway, so I can't (laughs) tell about the question. Anyway. We're going to recap tonight's debate, um, if you're listening tonight, because this thing is going up in about 1 in the morning Eastern time. But um, if you're listening tonight, hope you all enjoyed it. And the recap, if you're listening tomorrow, then I hope you at least saw it or saw highlights of it. Let's get down and dirty. What did you think of it overall? Well, I thought the American people surely got a uh, the debate they were wanting after watching well, I guess watching isn't probably the best word for it. I would say suffering through the first debate. I would say that this was something that I, I did. I, I will say that I said quite a long prayer before the beginning of this debate tonight that President Trump gave the time to Joe Biden to show not there was no need for President Trump to show that Joe Biden was an inferior candidate. I think Joe Biden is well, well within his means to show the American people himself. Uh, yeah, and I think I'll- that President Trump's fault in the first debate was to not allow Joe Biden to show the American people that he's not the choice, that he's not the man to be leading this country for, because of uh, many, many, many different things, whether it be his lack of intellectual prowessy, whether it be his, I mean, his being aligned with many socialist views, whether it be aligned with many terrorist organizations, if if, if I may speak freely, such as Antifa, you know, in many instances, radical Black Lives Matter. Uh, and I think tonight he gave Joe Biden the opportunity to speak for himself, uh, which probably wasn't a good thing for Joe Biden. Oh, no. My, my favorite part, and I think this is where most of Joe Biden's campaign managers had heart attacks, was at the very end when Trump point blank asked him when they were talking about climate change, and he point blank asked him, are you going to get away from oil if you're president? And Joe Biden goes, yeah, we're going to get rid of oil when I'm president. I think at that moment, Trump goes, I just got everything I want. And all of Joe Biden's campaign managers had massive heart attacks. Well, it, it, it it's points to the really stark realization that the Biden campaign, or may I say the Harris campaign, really isn't <laughs> truthful throughout this whole process. I mean, we see during the vice presidential debate, I guess it was a little over a week ago now, that mm-hmm. she says to Mike Pence, Kamala Harris, she, uh, you know, says to Mike Pence that 
oh, there, Joe Biden and I have been no instance say that we are getting, you know, we're going to outlaw fracking and, you know, uh, natural gas. And then tonight, right. I mean, obviously he, he does flip flop on that argument from when he, he himself, Joe Biden, in the first debate says that he was just Donald Trump was just lying flat out saying that, you know, he, he never said that he's going to get away from natural gas and and ban fracking. But finally, tonight, we we see Joe Biden conform to what his platform has been throughout this whole campaign process. I mean, if you look at, at a lot of his speeches, his campaign speeches in the primary, he has said that we are going to not ban fracking, but phase it out. We are not going to give any new permits for fracking. We're going to completely ban it on federal land, which is what he said tonight, finally. But we're going to mm -hmm. phase out new permits for fracking. He said that tonight. Well, he didn't say it specifically, but he did say that we we're going to phase it out. Right. So that that's kind of what I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in saying that now he's finally gone back to his old campaign slogan and saying that fracking is going to be a thing of the past under the Biden administration, which mm -hmm. I think the American people really need to think and say, wow. So in two debates, in the first two debates, the presidential and the vice presidential debate, they said, no, that's not a thing. And now they're they're going back on their word. I mean, it's a, it's a very stark reminder to the American people that the Democratic Party has never and will never be truthful to the American people. Right. And, you know, one thing with that, that I just kind of going back to like the first for the presidential debate and then the vice presidential debate, it was the same questions like those two. And then this last one, it was almost the exact same questions for every single one of them. Nobody brought up gun control. That is one of the most major hot topic issues in our country. And it's been shoved and pushed under the rug in terms of, um, you know, especially Trump banning bump stocks. Um, his comment about take the guns first, then due process. His attempts to ban uh, suppressors. Then we have the governors of different states implementing different types of um, bans of firearms as well. And it's, it's a really hot topic that's been shoved under the rug. And there was no questions in the debates, any of the three debates that we watched about it. There was no – neither candidate said anything about guns, the Second Amendment, gun control at all. It was a non – it was a non-topic, which – it bothered me because they covered COVID in all three of them for like half the time, even though it's – I mean, you probably most likely had it, correct? COVID? Perhaps. Okay. For legal purposes, we're going to say you didn't, but we're using it as an example. Um, do you think that it's worth all three debates covering it? Like, do you think it's worth spending that much time on it? Because every from everybody I know that's had it, and every, everything that I've been told, there's a 99% recovery rate across the board, like Trump said tonight. But then on top of that, you got vaccines coming out, which the majority of Americans have already said they're not taking. So, I mean, what what is the big deal with it other than a fear tactic? Well, to be truthful, I do think that it, it deserves much airtime during the debates. I, I, I do think that obviously – um, it's affected people's lives already. Let's not let's not even think about going forward. It's already affected people's lives. Now, 
do I think that the talk during the debate should be more centered around the economic effects of COVID? And as President Trump put it tonight, and he did in the first debate as well, we cannot let the cure be worse than the virus itself. But yes, I do think that, and first off, I just want to say that I hate the word quarantine because quarantining is for sick people. And now in this COVID generation, I think COVID could be used for people that are more susceptible to fatality under this disease. This does not, that, that, that word should not be used for somebody such as myself, such as yourself, that's under the age of, you know, 60 years old, uh, that is relatively healthy, that leads a, a relatively healthy lifestyle, but a few whiskeys every once in a while. <laughs> but hey, that, th- listen, to, to, that's healthy. No, Winston Churchill smoked a cigar and drank a glass of whiskey every day, and he lived to be 97. I don't want to hear anybody say a glass of whiskey ain't healthy. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. But I do think that uh, the COVID-19 does deserve attention from American politicians, right? Uh, there are certain people in our, in, our, in our society that are susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. To me, I believe the people that are most susceptible to it right now are probably one of the best generations that America has ever had. Right? These are people mm-hmm. that have overcome you know, atrocities in World War II, that have gone through Korea, that have gone through Vietnam. Um, so th- these are the elderly people that we really do need to think about, care about, because they gave their lives, not just figuratively, but also literally. Uh, they give their lives during their younger years, and we should be able to make sure that that we have, um, you know, we show that we're also thinking about, hey, that you are more susceptible to this virus. We understand that. Now, I think mm-hmm. where obviously the disconnect comes in is what we do about that. And I think I kind of shared my opinion when I say quarantining is for susceptible people, not for the younger people, right? Um, there's right. absolutely no need that a, a healthy individual that, you know, let's say in a, in a, that obviously some people may have had experiences with this, maybe me, maybe somebody else, I don't know, but you can get over it very easily as a young, healthy individual. I promise you, take my word for it. Um, right. and in some instances, I wish that I have COVID over the flu. Okay, because I've had both and well, figuratively, excuse me, well, I added myself figuratively, I've had both. And I could tell you what I'd rather have, you know, obviously, it, it affects people differently than others. Um, but I don't think that there's a huge concern for younger people. Now, I do think that things like you touched on, such as the issue is the Second Amendment is uniform or is pertinent for all of our population, not just our young people not just our, our um, you know, more sickly, uh, more susceptible elderly population. It's, it's for everybody. So I do see why, you know, when we, when we take 30, I guess they spent about 40 minutes. I was checking my clock. They spent about 40 minutes on the issue of COVID. Obviously, they, they interject certain things that have nothing to do with COVID, but they speak for 40 minutes, you know, over, you know, close to half of the debate um, about this topic but they give absolutely zero seconds to such an issue that affects the whole population of America, all 300 plus million of us, such as the second amendment. I think, do think that's disheartening. And one last thing that I wanted to talk about was we did not hear, you mentioned that the debates, the two presidential debates were very similar between the two days. One thing that we did not hear the second time tonight 
was the issue of court packing. We did not hear a single thing. And I think that's funny that not only has the press given up on Joe Biden on getting a straight answer about court packing, but even President Trump has given up because he understands that it's <laughs> he's not going to get an issue. And I guess the question has been asked so many times and has been uh, avoided by Joe Biden so many times that I guess it can't even hurt him anymore, which is just sad. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. I think um, I don't know if anybody's necessarily given up on getting a straight answer from Joe Biden on that. I think that a lot of people have just given up in general of Joe Biden actually being a realistic uh, threat. Well, we know his elected. answer. I guess that's right. Better. We know his answer. Right. I mean, and when, so well, we already know his answer, but I think that, I mean, as of tonight anyway, I think Joe Biden just blew, you know, save for a mass election fraud. I think he just blew any legitimate chance of becoming president because I think that a lot of people that were in the center, you know, especially especially when Trump was talking about his tax returns, about having prepaid, and a lot of people go, oh, I didn't know that. And it's like, well, yeah, if you take business classes, you don't go through stuff like that you know, go through business law, you understand you can do that. I think a lot of people were like, I'd never heard of that before. I mean, he did that it's in the all- area of having uh, business losses and, and um, you know, devaluations and losses and deductions and stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. prepaying of taxes is just a pretty term that politicians use. But, I mean, deductions are a real thing that even – and this is what a lot of people fail to see is that they think that the only – people that can, can claim deductions or, you know, rather than just take the standard $12,500 deduction that us lowly middle-class and lower-class citizens take, you can do that as a middle-class citizen. You can take deductions and itemize your deductions just like President Trump did. And that's the reason he only paid $750 in taxes. And if you start an LLC and mow your lawn, I think, uh, I think who, who is, I was watching somebody on Instagram. I have to look it up and, and uh, I'll give it to you so you can make a post about it. But, um, you know, he, he was very smart in saying that if you start an LLC and you're, you're going to start an LLC for a lawn mowing company and you only get paid $20 a month to mow your own lawn. Well, you also have business expenses for purchasing your lawnmower, for housing your your uh, HR department in your own home. All these things can be itemized and you can deduct those on your taxes. So don't, we, let's, don't, let's let's don't give Democrats, let's, don't give any <laughs> Democrats any more ideas. Okay. I like that. You like that. That don't mean everybody listens to this is going to like right. that. People are going to go, oh, we got to change that. No. I don't want to change it. I let's like being let's, able to stop, take- let's <laughs> stop villainizing people for using the U.S. tax code that Republicans and Democrats have passed and they use it to their own advantage. Let's stop villainizing that. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, it's not only that. We Our average tax, um, which I'll have to go back and look it up, but I believe it's 35% total. Federal, state income, sales tax, all that stuff. I, th- I believe it's 30, 35%. The fact that our founding fathers, one of, the, one of the things that really kicked off the Revolutionary War, was a three percent t-tax and i mean that 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 right there led to a a literal war against the greatest empire of the world 
And the fact that as Americans, especially the media, you're criminalizing people for not wanting to pay taxes. I mean, you might as well just look at them and be like, oh, well, you're not a patriot because you don't like to pay taxes. You're not a patriot because you don't like this. You're not a patriot because it's like give up already. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the media villain. It's like you said, they're villainizing people trying to get the most out of how much they work and what they make because it's their money. They're the ones putting time into it. You know, the, there's a song that goes, I work half the year for me, but the other half for Uncle Sam. We're getting dangerously close into a communist nation. And if we keep going with these higher taxes and tax jumps, we're going to get there. The only way we're going to get out is by very violent and brutal bloodshed. And I think that tonight's debate, especially in terms of talking about uh, health care policies, talking about immigration, talking about even race for a little bit, really want to show how skewed this country has become, especially the leftists. And how open they are to accepting communist and socialist ideologies. Well, certainly. I mean, I think that's something that we've known for a long time, um, unfortunately. And when you look at the ballots, you know, that what's very scary is you look at the ballots, such as your your post yesterday, I guess it would have been on the 21st. Um, I think it was a ballot from Arizona. We had three socialist parties and a liberation party as well. So. Uh, and then my name on, written the, on the, the president and, and your name on the bottom. At least we had somebody. Well, two people. I'm still I'm still a proponent and advocate of President Trump. So uh, I think I, I think with all due respect, I'd vote for President Trump over you. Just just going to put that well, out there. Yeah, uh, know, I, I mean, I mean, right. honestly, listen, listen, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to I'm, I, I don't I'm not in 2016. I was the biggest fan of President Trump. I campaigned for him. I pissed off college professors, campaigning in class forum. Yeah, I know that I changed one mind. I do know I changed one person's mind. I don't know how many others, but I know I changed one. Um, but you know what? With the stuff he's done with gun control and everything, I'm not a big fan of Trump anymore. But I'm still going to vote for him because I'm not going to vote for Jorgensen. She wants to make all drugs legal. She wants to make uh, no border control pull down every type of border security we have. She wants to do a lot of other stuff that's not good. She's also pro-abortion. I can't support that. There's no way in hell I'm supporting the Democratic um, values and the, what the Democrats are standing for. So Trump's my only option, and I'm not going to throw away my vote just because for my character, I can't in good conscience do that. No, I can I can understand that. I mean, you know, I've... I... I've struggled with the decision on whether or not I should vote for the independent or, uh, yeah, I guess they're an independent candidate, the uh, Joe Jorgensen. I mean, I've read through a lot of her, her campaign website. I've read, th- I've watched a lot of her speeches. Uh, and I find myself, you know, agreeing, unfortunately, with a lot of, <laughs> I say, unfortunately, like it's a bad thing, but uh, I do agree with a lot of what she has to say. I believe she, um, cares about a lot of libertarian type uh, arguments and, and is a proponent of a many libertarian arguments, which is what I consider myself libertarian. As long as you don't mess with me, my own or anybody else, uh, I really don't care what you do. And I think that George Orgidson holds that opinion as well. However, I also understand that in the country we have today, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I understand in the country we have today, a uh, third party candidate has little to no chance of winning. Um, and I do think that right. uh, our our best chance in freedom 
you know, sanctity of life um, and making sure that most of our Second Amendments are protected, our Second Amendment rights are protected. I do think that President Trump um, promotes a lot of those values. I mean, and if you look at the voting American population, you see that a lot of people are one issue voters. That's why I really think that President Trump should have mm -hmm. touched on the Second Amendment tonight, because I think that if you see a lot of middle of America right now, um, not just middle America, but I, I guess I could I could describe it better as suburban America, uh, which polls have said tr President Trump is hurting in specifically in and among the the, the female suburbanites. Um, if he were to touch on the Second Amendment and speak to, especially in a time in which people are fearful, when, you know, I speak to many, many Democrats in my workplace, I speak to many Democrats on the street through my university. And when I mentioned to them that Antifa has said, and radical Black Lives Matter has said, that they will take this fight to suburban, to suburbanites. They think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, that will never happen. But if President Trump, and he's made this argument before, and he's touched on this before, and he's made this appeal, hey, the only thing that you have between you and tyranny is your Second Amendment rights. I will not take that away from you. In a time in which we have people leaving, leaving notes in people's mailboxes saying that we see you are a, a, a Republican or you're a, Republic, you're a President Trump supporter, we've warned you that you need to take insurance out on your business or your house. In that sort of time, we need to make sure that Americans know that they have a president that is not going to come for their Second Amendment rights. If President Trump had said that, I really think that obviously in a campaign we're fighting for those undecided voters. I think that would have certainly helped him, especially in a time in which, you know, we haven't seen many mass shootings in the past because um, obviously not going for Americans guns can be a little controversial when we have. Uh, you know, such a horrendous acts being occurring in the past six months or so. Right. Well, you know, that I can see where you're coming from. But I mean, the fact is, I, Trump may not have been going to grab guns, but I mean, he sure not been a super strong opponent of the Second Amendment, considering what he what he has done on record. Um, he hasn't ro rolled back really any uh, restrictions. The the ATF put in a restriction about, uh, I believe it was the Honey, ba honey Badger yeah, Crystal Brace. CMMG. Um, right. I mean, his bump stock ban, his attempt to ban suppressors, his, um, his comment about uh, take the guns first, due process second. Really has not made him a good Second Amendment president, but I mean, like you said, it should have been talked about regardless. There should have been comments made, and especially now with all the riots and stuff, a piece of lead and a little bit of cold steel really is all it can. You know, take Kyle uh, Rittenhouse up in Wisconsin. That's that was all that stood between him and being lowered six foot mm -hmm. in the ground was that piece of steel and a couple of hot hot things of lead, which blew some guy's arm off and sent two others to hell. You know. And they're well, coming at him. They're trying to kill their, him. And on their religious I, beliefs, but yeah. Okay. Well, one was a pedophile. The other was a uh, convicted rapist. And the other one is still alive. So I'll yeah, speculate. But regardless, 
<laughs> regardless, um, it's it's a hot topic that needed to be talked about. And then another thing too, like you mentioned, that middle class in suburban America, you know, are getting more undecided. Is and they're also stockpiling. Mm-hmm. Like if um, there was a there was a story uh, a year or two ago about the ATF raiding and confiscating seven guns and a thousand round ammunition stockpile from a, pri- a man's private residence. Uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, with well, the volume of ammo going through, go- going through with sales and everything, and the, the volume of guns, that quote unquote stockpile that the ATF called a stockpile pales in comparison to probably what the average American has now. Oh, certainly. I mean, everybody, everybody's gearing up and just getting ready. Because I think, I think the other thing too is everybody's aware that even though Trump's probably going to win this election, it ain't going to change nothing. We're still having a war coming down the pike, and it's coming really fast. These race riots and these riots haven't come out of nowhere. It's been years and decades of divisiveness in the country growing. And I think that on the debate stage tonight, we just saw two polar opposites, and I mean polar opposites, go at it with nothing resolved. I mean, you might have swung a couple voters this way or that way, but – there's no compromise right there. And I think that everybody in America saw there's going to be no compromise. No, we, we, we definitely have a spike in gun sales, millions of guns being sold, which we've seen during many different uh, tumultuous times, whether it be shootings, uh, whether it be riots, you know, specifically in, in the past six to eight months, um, whether it be election years, which we see now. Now we just see a culmination of all of those things, minus your, your mass shooting here. I mean, we just see virus, you know, pandemic coming through. We see, um, we see an election year coming through. We see riots um, happening in which they're saying that this may be happening in suburban, you know, suburban America very soon. I don't think that any politician is benefited by not speaking to the Second Amendment, regardless on what you have to say about it. I do think that it's a it's a topic that really should have been talked about. Um, but to be honest, I, I really, if it were a choice between them talking about um, packing the Supreme Court or the Second Amendment tonight, I really would have rather had seen them talk about the Supreme Court. I mean, this is a whole branch of the United States government that supposedly the Democratic Party just wants to throw away. I mean, they, they, the founders had written that the Supreme Court was supposed to be the most benign branch of government. It was supposed to pose no threat to America, to the citizens. And now we see such, you know, if you look in 2011, when they're changing the definition of the individual mandate from a tax to a fee, uh, I mean, if that's not very, uh, hurtful to the American's pocket and pocketbook. Um, you know, it's certainly not benign as the founders sought it to be, but now we see that they're going to pack it with a bunch of Democrats in which it would be just another arm of legislature, which is certainly not what the founders wanted it to be. Um, obviously the second amendment has been something that has been a problem and been been talked about been in contention for many years now i mean even ronald reagan has had his um you know thing his thoughts that would probably not be in connection with what me and you think of the second amendment so 
let's not say that this is. Yeah, he he was one of the he was one of he was one of the worst. Absolutely, like, absolutely. And, and I think that him and Trump are very similar when they they propose themselves as such, um, you know, conservative um, candidates fighting for your rights and then do nothing and in fact actually um, take away some of your rights. So I think that President Trump and, and Ronald yeah. Reagan are very similar in that way. But we're talking about decimating a whole branch of government in which is supposed to keep in. Let's talk about the balance of powers. I mean, we've we've had that. That has been a, a topic um, today when whether we're talking about Obama um, and his use of the executive order and even President Trump's use of the executive orders. Uh, th this really holds no balance of powers. And then we have a whole uh, campaign, the Biden campaign, not even willing to talk about whether or not they're going to decimate a whole third branch of government. It, that's what I really wish they had spoke about tonight. But unfortunately, we didn't get that chance. No, it's because we don't have any good uh, actual people out there anymore that host the debate. Swapping gears real quick to uh, and kind of pivoting to another point of the debate, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting uh, how much of both Biden and Trump really uh, hammered on each other about relationships with China, North Korea, mm -hmm. and Russia. Um, did, what did you take? And we can break each down, each one down individually. Let, let's start with Russia. Uh, what did you think about all of that, uh, specifically with um, Joe Biden's son, money going into Joe Biden's bank account, um, supposedly a threat of war with them, and a bunch of other stuff? What was your take on the Russia part? Well, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, this was all, and I and I, I guess we're spoke, speaking about Russia and Ukraine right now, since they're the same region. But it's very interesting yeah. that you know, it throws kind of a wrench in not only President Trump's preparation for the debate, not only, and, and I don't even know, perhaps President Trump knew this was coming, um, but also the moderator's preparation for the debate that Bobolinsky or, or however you, you say his name there, um, Hunter Biden's right-hand man, the CEO of this, this uh, hawk, I can't even remember the name right now, this Chinese American company that Hunter Biden was heavily involved in and that you have Joe Biden being the man or I, I, President Trump mentioned it tonight. Uh, I can't even remember how, what, what specific term they used or, but the big man, Joe Biden. Yeah. It, yeah I was going to say, yeah, it, it was the, the it, was the, man, it was the big man, big man, big man, big man Joe Biden. I mean, this is a this is a bombshell. If there's any such thing as the October surprise, this is it. All right, I, I, I'm sad that it came only mm -hmm. an hour before a debate because I really wish President Trump, and who knows, he may have known this was coming. I, I don't know. Um, I would have suspicions based on you know who it's helping and who it's hurting. Perhaps he knew this was coming. I don't know. But it's sad that President Trump didn't have the ability to really hammer. Joe Biden about these connections with Russia, with Ukraine's, uh, with the Ukrainians, um, about something that Hunter Biden got paid one hundred and eighty three thousand dollars a month for something he knew nothing about. And now we know 
And mm -hmm. my discussions with Democrats, you know, Democrats that I speak with frequently, um, this meant nothing to them. This meant nothing to them when we found this laptop about 10 days ago. This mean nothing, meant nothing to them. So I'm very interested to speak to a lot of people now and say, so now you have a third party corroboration saying, hey, I worked with Hunter Biden during this time. And in fact, not only was Hunter Biden involved, but his father, the man running for the president of the United States right now, was also cut in with 10 percent, was the cut in 10 percent with this. And and tonight it's very interesting right. that well, he says I didn't. You know I never take a. I never took a penny. Never took a penny from any of these people. Um, you know, I'm gonna excuse my language. I'm gonna call <laughs> bullshit on that. Um, I haven't seen the evidence yet. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen the ev think... evidence yet. But unfortunately, I've seen a piece of evidence come out ten days ago, and 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 a claim that we saw, I guess, years ago that Hunter Biden was involved in this Ukrainian Burisma Holdings company. And now we see 10 days ago, another piece of evidence that in fact, it was true. And now we have the third stone. I think, I think it's gonna be the final nail in the coffin, which is why I say it's the October surprise. Unfortunately, our democratic voters, the, you know, and, and, and we've seen 48 million people vote so far in early election and mail-in ballot and absentee ballot. What are the remaining people that have not voted? Is this going to be something that they care about? Unfortunately, I don't think it is going to be. Um, but I think if yeah, President Trump say, had the opportunity to say something more about it tonight, he certainly could have brought it into more of the limelight and made it more of an issue. But he didn't. He did not. Yeah. And, you know, I, I yeah, and I was going to say, I, I think you're right. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think this will be a major issue for voters because I don't think the majority of voters really – give a damn about justice anymore i think that they like playing uh celebrity they like playing popularity and to them this is all big one reality tv show um it doesn't hold much consequences for them so they think i mean so what if hunter biden's raping underage chinese girls so what if he's smoking crack cocaine so what if he's in bed with russia and ukraine's corrupt government and you know funneling money through his dad's stuff. I mean, who cares about that? Because nobody cares really about seeing justice anymore. Um, court systems at this point uh, are somewhat of a joke uh, because of the corruption and bribery going on. And I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that this is the thing to really uh, turn them one way or another. But mentioning Hunter Biden, like we have been talking about the money, let's pivot to China. What do you think? Um, what do you think is going on with China? Because we've had uh, trade wars with them. Uh, Trump has actually sold rice to China, as funny as that is. Um, I mean, like we got big things going on with China. Of course, the coronavirus. You know, quite a bit of other stuff we saw tonight. China was really brought into the the limelight. One thing that wasn't told was they have tens of thousands of Chinese troops in Canada amassed. Um, couple hundred miles from the u.s canadian border doing military exercises in canada uh we have unconfirmed unconfirmed uh and confirmed reports of the chinese military uh, possibly getting ready to invade taiwan do you think that um both candidates should have taken a much harder line on china of course or how about tonight? millions of muslims in internment and re-education camps in china I mean, this is something that the New York Times has reported on, that the CIA 
and that the FBI spoke about that there are credible claims. And we even have pictures of these internment camps of millions of Muslims and supposedly Democratic candidates are supposed to be so sympathetic towards this, this segment of the population, yet don't even have the mind to speak about them. Um, and, I, and I really feel that in the arenas that I've been talking to, the only people that I've, I've even seen mention these, the, these atrocities committed against Muslims in, in China are and Islamic people is from conservatives. Um, and I think it really ties to the democratic relationship with China. And Joe Biden says it best. No, they are not an adversary. They're not a threat. They're a competitor to the United States. Uh, and I think that's just absolutely hilarious in which a time that, that we see so many atrocities, not only committed in mainland China, not only in, in not telling the world and not stopping a virus from exiting their borders. Um, and we could talk about mobilizations of troops in Canada and mobilization of troops in Taiwan. This is a, this is a, a state, this is a regime that, and, and Vice President Joe Biden calls Donald Trump, a, you know, he, he suckers up to world leaders and regimes like North Korea. How about China when Joe Biden calls them just the, they're not an adversary, they're not a threat, they're a competitor. Who's really sucking up right. to communist regimes and people that are surely a threat to American um, constitutionalists and the American Republic? I mean, if you want to, if you want to point fingers, then I, I'm going to exactly. point them to Joe Biden. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, I definitely. Um, one thing too, I think it is pertinent to note is for a long time the U.S. and China were on great terms. Uh, really up until after World War II, and China at that point was not communist at all. Um, they were ruled imperially, much like uh, Japan used to be. And there was, there was when the communist revolution happened in the uh, late 40s, early 50s, um, at the start of the Cold War, uh, the communists took over, and China has been tanking ever since. China used to be light years ahead of where it is now. Uh, with policies, with jobs, with technology, all that type of stuff. And they've gone backwards. Um, I mean, sure, they're still coming out with decent technology, but they, they're not matching what the West is coming out with. We're far outpacing them. And I, I do think that uh, China is itching for a war, and I think they have been. Uh, U.S. and Chinese troops fought against each other in Korea. It was a proxy war. It was supposed to be North and South Korea. It ended up being U.S. versus China. Uh, U.S. regulars and Chinese regulars were doing the vast, vast majority of the fighting. You had some North Korean, South Korean units mixed into each one, but it was a U.S.-China war, and it was fought to a standstill. And since then, there's never been any type of war to declare is China or the United States uh, better. And I think that China is still itching, is really itching to have that. And especially under Trump and seeing how divided this country is right now, I, I wouldn't doubt that they're really looking to take advantage, especially uh, with war games, especially with mobilizations, troop movements. You know, even even if they are unconfirmed reports, the fact that they're out there 
ought to send messages to people. And I think, you know, like you said, Biden was just totally not taking a hard line with China, you know, saying that they're just competitors. They're, they're the enemy. Whatever happened to America being totally against communism, whatever happened to better dead than red? I mean, it's gone. We don't have it anymore. I mean, at this point, people would, would rather live on their knees than die on their feet. Because they're so scared. They're so wimped out versus, I mean, you have an average American citizen, average Chinese citizen. Chinese are going to be a, quite a bit tougher, I'm afraid, especially with how weak our nation has become in terms of society and justice um, and other stuff. And I don't think and I don't think Trump's really taken a hard enough line with, them. you know, especially, you know, take the Muslims in the tournament camps personally. You know, that's China's business. I don't think we ought to stick our nose in it. But, I mean, if Trump's up there and he wants to take a hard line on China, that'd be a great spot to really wedge it in there and then get the world's backing of going, oh, well, you know what? The United States is kind of justified on this. Certainly. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, we, we have to make sure and we have to hold our leaders to a standard that um, – Certain behavior cannot and will not be, even if it comes to the detriment of American trade. Um, it, certain behavior cannot be tolerated by Americans. We do have a certain set of values, um, and freedom of religion is certainly one of those values that we will fight to the death to make sure that people uh, are able to to practice. Um, regardless of, I guess, your beliefs, I think the First Amendment is 100% clear in that, that no religion, as long as it does not promote um, certain, you know, death to your, and this can be, this can be debated on how people interpret it, right? There are extremists in every religion. There, there okay, because, okay. I was fixing to jump in and obliterate you right there. There are some extremists. There are Islamist extremists. There are even Judaist extremists as well. So I'm going to isolate those people out of that argument. But I know and and converse with multiple people that are active uh, practicers of Islam. And I do know that those people are fair. They're honest. They're excellent. Um, people as far as their values and their motivations. And I think that that person, that person, that person right, but, but. should have no, no um, inhibitions or no problem uh, by any government saying they can or cannot practice their religion. That's, that's the end of the story there. Right. But, right. But, but I, 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 I think you misheard what I said. I was saying, I don't think we should get involved in China's business. As the United States, I, I don't think we should get involved I, in China's business. But if, if, Trump, if Trump wanted to, then their persecution of, Mus- of Muslims in their country would be a great point to put that pressure I mean, on. I, of all people, am an isolationist, so I, I don't believe that we should be involved, especially with a world power such as China, in, in a fight for – uh, you know, something so trivial that really does not have any implications, serious implications on American life. However, I, I, I agree. I do think that it's a perfect mm-hmm. talking point for President Trump in saying that Vice President Joe Biden, you've called these people adversaries or, or excuse me, you've called these people competitors. But in fact, aren't they adversaries? Aren't they a direct threat to our American way of life when they're interning people for their religious beliefs? 
if you were to just pose that question to Joe Biden, I don't know what he would say. Um, and I don't, I don't think he could get out of that question because I, you have multiple sources, not, not just governmental agencies, but also private uh, journalism agencies in which have corroborated and confirmed those reports of, of vast violations of, America, of Chinese um, and Islam First Amendment, or what we know is First Amendment rights. Right. Well, you know what? I want to ask you this question. I want to get your opinion on it. Is Joe Biden a warmonger? No, no, I don't. I don't think Joe Biden is a warmonger. No. Why? Well, I, I don't like that Why? word. Let's let's just start off by saying that I don't like the word warmonger. Uh, I don't think that really anybody can monger war. I think that. It's only perpetrated by its people, by the people that start and actually engage in the war. Just as I don't believe that Joe Biden or excuse me, Bernie Sanders should be responsible for that lunatic shooting up Steve Scalise and other senators or other representatives uh, at the baseball field. Just as I don't attribute any atrocities to any other mass shooter that says they did it in the name of this person. Um even no matter somebody's rhetoric or language on a situation, um, I, I cannot, I cannot, unless they directly say, you need to do this. Uh, I'm not going to call anybody a warmonger, no. Okay, then how do you explain, and I, and I, I respect that answer, respect that answer. But if that were the fact, then how do you explain uh, Joe Biden's take on North Korea and his hardline, almost 100% chance of war stance, uh, either for North Korea to denuclear, denuclearize, cannot talk, or we'd go to war with them? Because to me, if I was North Korea, I wouldn't care what country did it. I'd be fighting it. And I don't think Joe Biden was kidding when he said that because that is what he and Obama did try to do uh, when they were in office. And I think that Trump really de-escalated the situation and Biden attacked them. hundred percent disagree with you. Wholeheartedly disagree with you. You see Joe Biden's and President Obama's line in the sand with Iran that unfortunately this line got pushed back further back and back and back. This is a hundred percent rhetoric you see from the left. Unfortunately, they are incapable of drawing, quote, a line in the sand. Um, and, and you're I don't see any instance in which any Democrat, specifically Joe Biden and President Obama, says something to a foreign adversary such as North Korea, such as uh, Russia, such as Iran. Well, well, I mean, the Obama administration was quite cuddly with Russia. Let's not forget that. But. Uh, Iran and, and North Korea specifically, they were they were played. They were played by these two countries. I mean, one got billions of dollars in cash from one. The other was allowed to shoot missiles up mm -hmm. and over our our um, um, ally Japan for eight years, pretty much after the, mm -hmm. the death of Kim Jong-il. I mean, Kim Jong-un was, was completely free and able to do whatever he wanted with his nuclear missile program with no, with no line in the sand. Unfortunately, er, er, and then you see with Iran, 
there was a quote unquote line in the sand with Iran, um, which are which are have said that they were never really kept up on. The Iran nuclear deal was only just a piece of paper, essentially. There was nothing put into practice from that. And that is why mm-hmm. President Trump, thank God, pulled out from such a horrible deal and then made the world realize that these people are not to be trusted. A piece of paper that they're that they have no um, they're not being checked. They're not there's no independent review on making sure that they're adhering to this deal, that this piece of paper will not hold to make sure that these people aren't getting these resources that pretty much the United States, if they want to, and we see that today, we see a choking of the Iranian economy and naturally these resources as well that are used to fund a lot of these uh, terrorist regimes and nuclear uh, research facilities. I can see that. I see, and then you know, I I think I think you made a really good point. I can see um, after you yeah. mentioning all that, some of which I'd forgotten. Um, I I really I don't think Biden is a warmonger, um, and I do think a lot of us just talk. I uh, I'd forgotten about a lot of that stuff. Iran, I didn't forget about. Mm. I just forgotten about some of the rest of it. Um, you know, but I think Trump also brought up a great point tonight. Biden's been in there what is it, for 48 years and he ain't, he hasn't done anything. He's called black. I was waiting. I was hoping Trump was going to bring this up. He didn't. Yep. He's called black. He, did say they call, he called them super so predators. I and I had to pause it because somebody that I was watching the debate with was like, Oh really? He said that. And so I, pa- I did have to pause it. That was the one and only time I paused it and looked up in <laughs> 1993 when Joe Biden was campaigning for the, and, and filibustering for the, the um what what's the word i'm looking for here what what was the crime bill excuse me there we are the crime bill it was his crime bill when he was filibustering for the crime bill he specifically said these people could come and knock my mother over the head with a lead pipe that's what he said okay whether who you whoever you want to interpret these people quote unquote being i mean i'll let your your own imagination find that out no, oh, I, I, he, he called them I, the N-word. No, no, he called them the N-word. Well, let's go ahead and put that out there. He called them the N-word. Yep. All I record play that video in as Congress. Well, these are the type of people that he calls, and he did not call them. No, the, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get, listen, I'll no, get banned don't. for hate please speech don't. if we play that video. If it then maybe, but, and you're <laughs> over 10,000 now, 10,000 followers, so we have to be careful. We have to be careful because big tech is coming down on us hard. I know. I, I, listen, I, gotta, I gotta post. I got a post taken down for incitement. <laughs> they can't get me on hate speech. They can't really get me on violence. They got me on incitement. It's like, dude, come on. I make sure I word those posts so carefully so I don't get charged with sedition. And they take me down for incitement. It's like Instagram. Are you kidding me? You leave a you leave a card you leave cartoons of black naked chicks holding white people's heads up all over Instagram, but you take one post down with uh, people from the IRA over incitement. It's like, come on! By the way, guys, I reposted it. Go check. I think it's two or three posts ago. Um, <laughs> don't report it, please. But you know, I mean, come on! It's it's is it, the censorship is getting ridiculous, and liberals are getting ridiculous. And the fact that 
these people get so butthurt they go report stuff for incitement is just is beyond beyond ridiculous. But I digress. I've been pissed off about that. Excuse my little rant. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's it's sad that we have to be so careful, especially when playing a quote from Joe Biden calling people the N word. Um, if we did do of that, course. though, we would get banned very quickly. <laughs> But, I mean, it's, it's the fact remains, though, he did say that. He did call them that. And for whatever reason, both presidents are trying so hard to pander to minorities. And they're forgetting the majority out there. Um, you know, and it's, 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 it's honestly, it's ridiculous that they're having to pander to minorities to begin with, number one. And number two, it's ridiculous they don't have balls enough to really rip each other's throats out while they're pandering to these minorities. Well, I- you see, President I mean, Trump. I think he. I think he got eight percent of listen, the African American vote, or something, something like that. It was. It was actually historic numbers in 2016. Right. And he's, but, he's, so I he's do see. Gonna, I he, do see the benefit. Mark I do see the benefit of wanting to encourage more, more African American, more Black Americans to understand that what do you have to lose? Again, I, I still think that that term from 2016 still pertains to today. Because, well, I think, no, actually, no, excuse me. I'm going to take that back. You do finally have something to lose because under President Trump, you had the lowest African-American employment that you'd ever seen. So you do now have something to lose. So we need African-Americans to vote like they have something to lose because, in fact, they do. Because if you want to take the past 60 years since LBJ, if you want to take that history into account, then you should understand that black employment is not something that is important to Democrats in America right now. They care about making sure that they can suckle off the American and make sure that they are dependent on the government for what they need. And at the end of the day, the welfare state can still, and and, and that's not just true for black Americans. That's true for many other segments of America. Let me, let me, let me say that. And that's a problem. That is certainly a problem. And that's what yeah, conservatives but, but, have but, but to really push is that we do not want to give you a fish. We want to teach you how to fish. Right. And, you know, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a great point, too, is it, it, like you said, it's not all blacks, but but the vast majority are the, the vast majority are. And it's not because of their skin color either. It's because of their culture. You can you can you can type in and look up. CEOs run these Fortune 500 companies. You can type in uh, millionaires, and you're going to have black millionaires, black CEOs. You're going to have black people that have done very, very well for themselves, are very educated, um, and it, they don't depend on the government for anything. But then you have a lot of them that do because they just don't want to do anything else, and then they blame everybody else for their shortcomings. Um, but you are like you like you said, there are other segments. It's not just pure black, but it is a lot. It is the majority black, and it's because of their culture, you know. But with that, I gotta get your opinion on this. Does it do any good pandering to minorities? Well, I guess I'd have to I'd have to know your definition of because and okay, and I I don't mean like I don't mean genuinely helping them. I mean pandering, like politicians do every election cycle. You know, give me your vote, I'll help you with this, help you with this, help you with this. 
Does that really do any good? Because they're probably going to vote the way they've always voted. Does pandering well, I don't like really the word pandering. I just help such a, I, I don't like the word pandering. I think that that promoting a a ideology and promoting a campaign or promoting a trying to find the best word to use, I guess, a platform for promoting a certain race or pr- promoting a certain um, segment of society should certainly be something that people talk about. I mean, regardless on your opinion on it or not, certain black people in America today believe they are disenfranchised. Okay. And, and, and regardless of your opinion on it, of course. that is the truth. Okay. People think that. So, so we should be oh, able no, to, I, as conservatives, lay out a policy, lay out a policy in which we could say, "Hey, you feel this way? Okay, great. Here is our platform on how we can make sure that that is not your reality four years from now, or eight years from now." Okay, and and and, and that's that to me is not pandering. That's right, but just promoting a platform. And President Trump has done a great job of that in his platinum plan. And I don't think a lot of people know about it. it. Didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of airtime because the last thing that the mainstream media wants to do is is show people that President Trump actually has a plan on promoting Black America. Um, and, and polls have, and research has shown right. that even if President Trump were to gain like an, an extra four to five points in the Black community, that there's absolutely no way that Democrats could ever win. Uh, over conservatives on a presidential election ever again. So yes, I mean, if you want to call it pandering, fine. Yes, pandering is certainly important in elections because guess what? It wins elections. Uh, I don't like to call it pandering. I call it promoting platform. Uh, sometimes though, it doesn't always work out that way. In 2016, he got the average vote of the blacks for Republicans. It wasn't he he pandered and it didn't really work. In well, no, I just said that he gained. I think Mitt Romney had six percent of the black vote in twenty twelve, and then you see President Trump after coming from a black president, we have eight percent, a jump in two percent. I mean that's 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 quite a bit. And right. if you believe what people are right. saying yeah. now, that we could have certainly more black Americans voting for a Republican president than ever this year, and God, I hope it's true. Yeah, I did too. But I mean, going back to what you said, I mean, from what I said, it's average for a Republican president. Uh, Romney was a different case because he was running against a black president. So, of course, those numbers decreased. And of course, Trump's going to increase those numbers uh, from Romney. But it's pretty much mm-hmm. average of the Republican president um, or, or, or a Republican uh, candidate. But, you know, even with all that, you know, I mean, well, when or if. Do you think that uh, candidates and politicians uh, will ever start dealing in facts versus emotions? Because that was uh, the one of the biggest things I saw in the debate tonight was it was a lot of um, it was a lot of emotional based stuff versus logical. Unfortunately, we've we've moved past that point, I think, um, in society. I I can't see us ever moving back to more of a. A fact-based appeal to American society because emotion is much, much easier to sell. 
it works a lot better in 15 second YouTube ads than actual fact does, unfortunately. I mean, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I think that we need to make sure yes, that yes, yes, we yes, find yes, the best yes, way yes. to find a mix of both emotion and fact. And, and uh, I think that, that President yeah. Trump has done an excellent job in that and, um, you know, making sure that Americans understand that there's still an emotional aspect in every um, every political sphere. I mean, whether you're talking about healthcare, whether you're talking about coronavirus, whether you're talking about immigration, there's always an emotional aspect of it. And most Americans are going to vote off their emotions, in fact. And I think that's not been true of just recently, but that's been true for, for quite some time. Um, but I also think we do need, because there's so much disinformation out there today coming from many Democratic sources that we also need to make sure that Americans understand the facts behind certain things and not let emotion drive every decision they make. Right. Well, not for nothing, but I mean, disinformation has been out there for uh, honestly, this point centuries. I mean, there's been newspapers back when there was no phones, only newspapers and letters um, that slammed candidates for stuff that they didn't do. Um you know, and we see that really all the way back to the founding uh, of our country. So it's not a purely uh, party thing. Uh, both both sides really do it. But I, I do I do agree with you. I don't see uh, as our nation is presently uh, us ever going back to an actual uh, logic based uh, system. I think that it would be the best case scenario for this nation. But I don't. I don't really see no, us ever going back to that. No, but listen, man, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I got to end it. I want to keep this below an hour and two minutes. That's my cutoff line. I still got to add the opening. But thank you so much for coming on and recapping the debate and kind of diving my into pleasure. some more issues. I really, really appreciate it. And for the listeners out there, he does live down south now. That's why he's trying his attempt at a southern accent. But um, I want to thank you all so much. Thank you all so much for tuning in, guys. And we will see you next week. I got an episode with 10th Talk 6 that I was going to drop this week. Didn't happen because of the debate. So I'm shoving it. I'm posting it Sunday. So stay tuned for that, guys. Thank you all so much.